And we live. Hey, happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we explore the possibilities with learning technology while cutting through the fluff to answer the questions you need answered to make the right decisions. So, Chris, thanks for letting me hijack your LinkedIn Live again. So, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I love your intro. New intro. Nice. Hey, thanks. Right, I've, I've been practicing it. It was it was a lot of work, and I and I think I got it. So uh, today we're joined with Derek Lundstedt. He's the CEO of Scrimmage, and we're talking about optimizing the mobile learning experience. So looking forward to it. Thanks for being here, Derek. How are you? Thank you, Chris and Christopher. Appreciate both of you guys having me on, and looking forward to talking with you. I'm, look at I'm that. Great. Look at that. He got it right first time, Chris. We'll see, right we'll see yeah, how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> and you've got another life event, right? You, you just uh, tell us a little bit about the baby. Yeah. So we just literally three and a half weeks ago welcomed our son into the world. Uh, and now we have both a son and a daughter who's she's 22 months. We've got two little ones under two. And uh, we're going to be teaching them lots of fun stuff, I would imagine, in the next few months and years ahead of us. Well, many years ahead of us, but especially the next couple of years, there's lots of sponge-like activities that I expect will be taking place in our household. So Two under two. Two under two. I can relate to that one. So. Yeah. So, uh, well, hey, so just to get things started, for those who don't know what scrimmage is, just, just the elevator pitch, the 30-second, what is scrimmage? Yeah, so just quickly, before you mentioned it, we can yeah. market uh, when the iPad first launched, recognizing that right. mobility in particular was going to become the future and obviously very much now the present of how people would consume educational and training content, but content of all kinds. And so what we did was build a learning product, a learning platform that creates a more personalized, engaging, and fun experience for how people can learn and train um, using their mobile devices, phones, tablets, even computers, and now even progressing into post-mobile or uh, other mobile, you know, AR and VR headsets, glasses, voice, uh, wearables. Those are things that we consider mobile as well, but really recognizing that the hardware can support how people learn. And so were you just sitting in a room one day and you just thought, hey, wow, <laughs> iPads are coming. I should do something about that? Uh, sort of. So I've been working, you know, and I, I have partners been working in the training and learning development space for some time. And we heard consistently about how bad learning management systems were in terms of actually creating an experience that people enjoyed and that actually in, you know, invited people to learn by choice. Yeah. And so when we saw the iPad launch, we way that people interact with technology, right? We just, it was just one of those moments we just saw it. And, you know, looking at Microsoft, you know, as a product at the time and other, you know, learning management systems that exist at the time, the, the simplicity of the iPad and, and obviously the phones, right, was something that we said, this is going, this is something that a two-year-old, I mean, my daughter knows how to use my phone already. A two-year-old or an 80-year-old can understand how to use this technology. So why would we not optimize the experience to help people learn more effectively using that technology? And so it just seemed like a common sense thing to, to me and to us, but um, it was surprising how long it took the market to ad adopt that. But obviously now we're in the, the renaissance of, of technology and, and mobility, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, it's become an expectation that everything should be mobile and perfectly mobile and designed for users. And, and I think you've seen the emergence in this market of the learning experience platforms and you know, other adaptive learning engines. And in many ways, we were truly the pioneer and or a pioneer of this market and these markets that have continued to evolve. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about how we tried to combat the LMS market early on, but uh, it was it was fun. We had a lot of fun, especially because you think back to when we started almost 10 years ago, you know, we were really viewed as as young maverick type of, uh, you know, executives with a crazy idea. And now, you know, it's become mainstream. Yeah. So with that, then your market, right? Because yeah. 10 years ago, the market for iPads and who, who really were your mobile users. I remember when mobile was first starting to get legs and I'm like, I was running a, a L and D function and everyone sat at a computer 12 hours a day. So yeah. the whole mobile concept was like, well, yeah, it's not really solving a problem for me. So how has that audience shifted? I'm, I'm sure you had a pretty yeah. strategic target market originally and that's probably expanded yeah yeah so there's two components so one is when we when we really started getting early traction we worked a lot with healthcare organizations which is how you and i met chris christopher right and um the reason for that was because those large pharmaceutical biotech manufacturers were looking for a way to distinguish themselves against competitors with physicians and other healthcare providers right so if you remember back 10 years ago the ipad was going to become this new shiny object that would get 30 more seconds with a doctor potentially, 
right? And then what happened was they said, okay, what now that we have a, a, a tool, how can we populate that tool with content that would actually make that 30 seconds of additional time more valuable, right? Okay. And then what came secondarily to that was, okay, if we're going to prepare our people uh, to, to provide a better experience to these customers, how can we educate them? And that was the need that, that we ultimately filled, or that was the initial thesis behind it, right? Um, the other thing that came in mind was that, you know, when you heard about that complaints about LMSs, that the feedback at the time was they're big, they're bulky, they're not user-friendly, they're hard to maintain, they're hard to make upgrades. And so we actually had the intention early on to go after that space aggressively, um, selling it to HR and training. And what happened was, after we built this holy grail of technology that was simple and user-friendly and mobile, um, we were met with uh, you know, reservations to say, hey, we've invested millions of dollars in departments in building this technology. Even though we've told you for years we don't like it, we're not ready to switch. And so what happened was we ended up going to the marketing teams and saying, hey, marketers, you, know, you're, you want to provide more value to your customers. Why don't you provide a tool that can help educate your teams more effectively at your national meetings? your planet action meetings, your natural, your sales meetings. And, and that was the use case. And what happened was once marketing got a hold of it and started investing in, in improving experience, training got a little jealous and HR got a little jealous and said, Hey, this is a training tool. Right. And they said, we want this. And so then we started coming back around. And so what's happened is that 10 years later, as the market has evolved with learning technologies and LMS and so forth, now we're seeing companies uh, really start to favor a platform like ours as a, as a replacement for an additive to, traditional learning management systems and, and integrating with different systems like we talked about LXPs, game engines, adaptive learning components, learning record stores, which we've built on our product and different things like that. So it's been really exciting and fun as a long answer to your question, Christopher, but oh. I think it's fun to just kind of tell the story because, uh, you know, we literally spent five years, my, you know, truly five years building demand saying, this is happening. Your younger generations expect this. You need to have a better experience for how people learn. You need to drive more engagement. And, and people agreed, but yet they didn't necessarily invest in the technology. And so what happened was in that window, you started to see the rise of bring your own device philosophies, the, the movement of IT teams and how they would deploy applications. You saw the app explosion, right? That happened where people were just loading apps and apps and apps through the, the distribution stores. And so we, we saw that kind of shift taking place and we were there early enough to help really guide our clients and potential clients through that process on you know what pitfalls okay. to avoid, how to maximize for the experience, how to drive ongoing utilization, how to continue to build technology that would add value. And that's what brought us kind of shorthand to where we are today. So I'll be quiet here for a moment. Well, no, now is that part of, so there's a couple of questions that come to mind based on your, your answer. But one is what you talked about is more than just buying a, a tool and saying, hey, great, we bought a new tool. Now we're throwing it into the ecosystem. Now, is that something that's part of the implementation you do with a client or was that, that's how you did it. Is that still how you do it today where you're actually partnering with them through the journey? So yes, yes, and. So that's very much, yeah, so the answer is, is yes, and Christopher, is that um, that's definitely how we were working with clients early on because um, it was still a new experience for everyone yeah. on some level, right? And so we had to work through the deployment process with Apple and Android. We had to work through the internal app you know, requirements and, and approvals that would take place, as well as the content approvals and things that would take place. Not to mention all the you know, competing and, and perceived political things that happen within organizations that, 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 that apply for these decisions. Right? So we were navigating and helping to guide our, our clients through that process, all while we were learning through the experience of how is our technology being used by these, by these learners? How are they applying it both in the classroom, when they leave the classroom, as part of their daily activities, as a way to reinforce content over time and through different modalities so that you're appealing to different learners' needs and restrictions around bandwidth and, and you know, how, they, how they prefer to learn. And so we were guiding them through it. So to come back around, yes, that's still a key part of our DNA and part of our culture is supporting clients effectively. We don't view this as, we, we are a software as a service provider, but we make sure to provide a lot of value in the initial experience of the application where it's implemented and then through that process where they continue to use it and, and augment that experience for their, both the users and our HR and learning and training and, and business stakeholders um, that, are, that are gaining value from the product. Right? We feel like we've got a really good match between uh, a tool that end users like and will use with a administrative framework and the security and IT structure that companies expect and you bring those together and you, and you have this really you know, nice box, if you will, of a nimble product with an enterprise grade um, 
use case, right? So that's kind of the, the gap we've been filling. So with that one, and and this is one that I'm I'm just curious about because one of the things you talked about is earlier in your journey, people were not just putting learning content in there. And and that's not a problem I think most LMS people have an issue with. No, no business leaders like, you know where we should put our marketing content or customer facing stuff? Let's put it in the LMS because that's where people want to find that stuff. So are you finding with scrimmage then it's more than just learning content? Are you are people using it as kind of a CMS for some of this other stuff? I mean, you mentioned the use case of being on an iPad with a doctor and yeah. being able to pull this stuff up. So are they using it more than just, hey, I want to develop on leadership skills. Let me just browse my Netflix here and, and in some cases, yes. Yeah, in some cases, yes, with some clients, yes. Uh, I would also say that especially in certain segments, there's great tools and products that do the customer experience really well, yeah. or for example, do CRM really well. And so again, back to our technology, what we've built is a product that can integrate simply and easily with those different tools so that we become, you know, uh, kind of a, a third critical component of, of the, the ecosystem that a company or a sales professional in particular uses daily, day to day. So they've got their customer facing resources, they've got their CRM resources, and then they've got their, their knowledge management that could be both internal and external. And that's really a gap that we've that we've fulfilled on right. and it can be through the whole continuum, right? And so uh, to answer your question, yes, as part yes. of our product, there's a, there's a CMS um, that's helping to drive the experience of the content to the user. Um, there's also a built-in uh, learning record store in the back end that allows us to capture you know, all the different data elements, the gestures, the unique applications, the format, the utilization, all of that. And that obviously drives um, visibility and insight that a client can use to um, you know, create more effective content, more effective deliverables, a better ongoing experience. And this goes back into the whole idea around personalized learning, you know, machine learning, AI, and how that will continue to evolve here. We're still early on in that phase as a, as a segment and as a company, but I really do, and I've been advocating for this for a few years, that that will be really changing how people learn. It, it will improve the experience for learners of all kinds, corporate and, and students of any sort, right? So you said integrations. So I'm going to I'm going to push you on that one because sure. I hear a lot of people talk about integrations, but then when you actually dig into integration, it's like, well, it's not really an integration. You still have to kind of go to this same place. So when you talk about how it integrates with other, these other tools or how it integrates in the ecosystem, tell me a little bit about that. Is it is it tying into tools on the back end? Are they is your content then feeding into other things yeah. and they're experiencing it through that? What's that look like? So what I'll say is there's three different types of integrations as we see it, and there's a branch too. So there's what I would call authentication, right? So basically you're able to pass between systems dynamically. There's um, kind of level one integration where we, again, are able to pass some level of data manually between the products, right? And then there's level two, which is dynamic integration, where they literally are making um, – you know, two-way communications between the systems um, in terms of record sharing, data sharing, you know, recommendations, business impact, that kind of stuff. Um, and so depending on where a client may be in their own IT evolution and their level of comfort with data portability and security, um, a client may choose to do all or, or work through that that list over time. Um, what we've done, and, and this goes back to the process, we've done you know, integrations with a few large CRMs, a few large learning management systems, a few large HRIS systems. And what, yeah, exact platforms. And so what that means is that we have a, a framework of, 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 of material of code that can be used consistently, but with, with those same issues that we just talked about, there, there is some degree of custom work that's required yeah. every integration in order to meet the standards of IT security, their yeah. auditing process, their record keeping, you know, especially if you go international with GDPR, which we're familiar with. And that be, yeah. right? so, so that opens a whole bunch of stuff. And so we're, what we're doing is we're working really diligently for the size of our company to automate as many of these integrations as possible okay. to make them effective and quick to, to stand up. And I think that even if you look at our, our manual integration, we still do it uh, very timely and, and cost efficiently relative to what companies expect when you look at, you know, a large system like an SAP or other, you know, Oracle's and other legacy yeah. software products. Yeah. 
perceived legacy software products. Um, they're great products, just to be clear. I think, you know, obviously they're good. <laughs> I'll tag them in. I'll t- I'm going to tag them in. I've yeah. got a call with Oracle off of this, so I'll let them know. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously they're, they're market leaders for a reason, but there's, there's room for small providers and nimble providers like us to help improve the experience. Um, you know, for those partners. And that's really what we need to I'm glad Chris asked that question because, I'll, Christopher, sorry, asked that question because when I was looking on your website, one thing that I remember when you said that you have 625 million platform integrations. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, what, what, is, what do you mean by that? Because <laughs> that was, that's, that, what do you, uh, but now it makes more sense given what you've just yeah. said. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing with integrations, I mean, this is a conversation I had recently where, you know, somebody said, well, why, what, why, why are we so slow to get to workflow learning where, you know, stuff's yeah. just, and it's it's a lot of work. It's not it's not just easy to just be like, yeah, well, we'll just make everything feed in through, you know, this one one way. But that's helpful because again, I think integrations is one of those terms yeah. that loosely gets thrown around, and it's yeah. like, well, what do you really mean by its capabilities in terms of integration? Yeah, and I, the other thing to mention on that too is because just in helping clients think through this is that there's a lot of work that we as a partner and other partners do to make the integration process smooth and, and technically uh, efficient. But what oftentimes has to happen from the client side uh, is there needs to be two things. One, leadership advocacy and, and champion of that integration, because obviously change is the change, right? That has to happen to their yeah. client. And then two, there has to be at least some degree of technical resources that are assigned to help backstop and, and, and configure those custom elements that we talked about as far as data integrity, security requirements, you know, changes, upgrades, things like that. And I think that just because of the nature of at least our clients, they're so large, is that that sometimes can be an area where there's there's drop balls or missed expectations. And so that's something that requires a lot of um, proactive communication on both parts. And 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 I think that there needs to be, that's, that's really where the, the, the opportunity for this problem to be solved, right? How do you create effective integrations? That's where we are right now. I think that we and many others are trying to solve that effectively but you know, it's still very much. When I mean, you think about integration, it has evolved into five years uh, or three years, for that matter, has changed a lot. Um, and I think that you know, to give credit where it's due, you know, you look at people like Salesforce with their App Exchange and things like that. That has also played a big role um, in terms of helping to move things along faster, right? So. Well, I think it's helped drive this whole ecosystem concept. If you really think about it, because before you know, five years ago. Everyone was trying to build their own empire. They were trying to have the one app that did everything. And it, it was like, they weren't doing it very well. Yeah. And I, what I'm seeing in the market, at least, is providers are having to say, look, we, we recognize we aren't the panacea, as Nick put it last week, which was great. You know, we, we aren't the panacea. We need to work well with, with other providers and kind of help organizations get where they need to go. Yeah. So one, one question for you on this one is, Right. So back back in the day when mobile was still new, that was kind of your niche. Now, a lot of these kind of new platforms coming out, I get hit with I don't know how many every week of, you know, we're the new or the new learning, whatever you want to call it thing. And a lot of them have mobile capability now. Now, I will say it's not always good, but. Um, you know, what is your how, how do you still differentiate yourself in a marketplace now that more and more platforms are mobile whether you, yeah. you could argue that but i'm curious so i'll answer it in two parts so one is back to our overarching philosophy from early days is we we did take that approach of being open and agnostic to working with different content partners yeah. and different software products and i think that was a key philosophical thing that we were bringing to the market along with some other companies fairly early it's now becoming the client expectation it's client first and it's learner first so i think just from an organizational values alignment standpoint and an understanding of the market we bring that, which I think is different than some of these, you know, emerging startups. Um, that's that's one thing. The second thing about it is that when you're talking about mobility um, and you're talking about features and functions, um, one of the things that we've done really well is we continue to provide something that is simple and innovative and usable, right? So there's a lot of products out there that have all the bells and whistles and they do all this cool stuff, or at least they say they do, right? But when it comes down to it, they don't actually get utilization because much like learning management systems in the past, they become overwhelming. There's so many features and functions that people just, they disengage, they don't, they don't participate, right? And so what we've been able to do is create that, again, that balance of simplicity for users, function in the business with administrative and reporting capabilities that an organization enterprise in particular wants to see. And I think that that's, you know, and we've been refining that for almost 10 years. That's not something that you can just figure out. It requires some, some frankly, lessons in 
going through the process with clients to, to do that. And so we have that, that, that pool of knowledge to help clients through that experience. Um, the third thing is that we are continually innovating. Right? I mentioned Learning Record Store. I mentioned the fact that we are looking at other deliveries of modalities for hardware. I mentioned augmented uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. I mentioned how that's creating adaptive experiences, um, meeting learners where they are. We are factoring all that in to our roadmap. And you, you can see some of this stuff on our YouTube. So we are continuing to evolve and, and really steer the ship where we believe the market is going, much like we did in our onset. So we're consistently looking ahead and not just recognizing what we're here in the moment. And so we're helping to bring clients forward into what that future learning experience could look like. So those are three things that I think are um, huge value adds that, that, are, that should be appreciated by clients when they're looking through it. It's not we're just technology. We have great technology, but that's only one piece of the puzzle. And mobile is great only as much as that the users actually will participate and use the product and, and use the content to do their jobs or, or to be educated more effectively. Okay. Now back, back when we first talked, because this was, I mean, it's been a long time now, but um, you know, for, for people who may be listening, there may be some folks that are like, yes, our people have phones, but that's not really their, their main, you know, like I was right. I was part <laughs> of people who sat at the desk all day. So they had a phone, but it wasn't really their primary experience. Does it? Does the platform still work on a PC if they need to? And again, if it does, is it like a completely different experience? Because I've I've seen enough platforms where you look at the mobile experience, you look at the desktop experience, mm -hmm. and you might as well have two completely separate yeah. platforms. So to answer your question, it does work on all devices and all browsers, or you know, most part all browsers. Some limitations. Except Internet Explorer, right? Because well, I, I don't think anything works on yeah, Internet Explorer. Exactly, anymore. because Microsoft has stopped supporting it. So uh, we just support the latest version, but because of that change, I'm it's kidding. By the so way, it's fine. <laughs> no, but it's actually true. That's the fact. Actually, it's true. You're, 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 you're joking, but it's actually very true. It's actually <laughs> to your audience because a lot of our corporate clients are using Internet Explorer because yeah, they most of them. Explorer. Yeah, a lot of them. And the reality them is that Microsoft is no longer supporting that browser and you're going to consistently find more and more products that don't work with it and i know the clients will be frustrated but it really is not the vendor's fault any vendor it's that they're working with old old tools and they should consider you know uh moving to the Upgrading. future yeah exactly i like so, the way you didn't want to plug any browser there you're just like let me not give anyone a plug <laughs> yeah so, so anyway so that's that's one thing um but it does work on those different browsers it does work on different hardware devices and for the most part We've tried to create a, a consistent and um, familiar experience across those different products so that uh, it does not require a major shift in thinking or design philosophy or how people will use it. Uh, there are obviously a few differences here and there that you know are specific to those devices or to the experience, but uh, we really make a conscious effort to you know, provide cross-platform capability and portability. So it was designed mobile first, but it's seamless across both. Well said. Okay. Okay. So you, you hit on a good one. And this is something that drives me nuts because I see it happen all the time. And honestly, I've been I've been like the recipient of this before, where things go south that have nothing to do with the tech. The example you gave, right? Internet Explorer, all oh, this platform's terrible. It doesn't work. It's like it has nothing to do with the platform. And I've seen this with not just technologies, but I've seen it with other things. Are there what are some examples of things? that you know maybe people have expectations that aren't right or things that might go south and it's not necessarily scrimmage but things that people should be aware of going into it that you know they should know if they're thinking like hey maybe we should take a look at a new do you call yourself an lms what do you call yourself no we we refer to ourselves as a learning engagement platform for like okay. seven years right so and and it's kind of funny because we're not you know now we're L -L -E okay it's a new acronym got yeah. it lxps have become the term and i guess some people we, we kind of straddle a few different lines in fact if you look at the person report of the different um components different product we kind of sit in four different categories right and so um we meet a lot of capabilities across the learning management system an lxp gamification engine and adaptive quizzing engine. So we have those pieces all part of our product. And so we kind of are in this interesting little, we're, we're kind of stepping in many different boxes. Um, I know that the Burson report, right? It, it was very helpful, I think, at a time when people were trying to conceptualize what these different components are. Yeah. But anymore, if you try and put a platform in one of those boxes. I, so I that's actually the feedback I was going to give, right? I'm, so you kind of read, read right to it, Christopher, which is that one of the big misconceptions in, in 
buying behaviors and perceptions, especially with an LMD, is that we want to put everything into a box. We want to filter it into our onto our our frame of understanding, and that helps to a point because it allows us to communicate um, benefits and challenges and opportunities clearly to other stakeholders that might not have as much familiarity. But it also uh, bounds the expectations and bounds the framework and parameters for a successful implementation. And so that communication and again back to um, leadership, advocacy, stakeholder buy-in, um, working through the process of, of and, and building, um, you know, not expect expecting that this is going to be a, a immediate silver bullet, although oftentimes we do see immediate results, uh, which is important to mention too, is that there has to be a perception of, of partnership over the long term, right? With every type of software piece, and that's why you consistently see, you know, enterprise software moving into a longer term contracts. It's not necessarily for the purpose of, of having the contract. It's for the purpose of doing what's right for the customer in the sense that it gives everyone time to get buy-in, to get socialization, to work through the, the misalignment of expectations, to work through changes in leadership that, that, that you know, always take place, right? And so you need to get re-established buy-in from the stakeholders or other changes that happen. And so um, I think that's a component that we live in this world of everyone wants it yesterday and immediate grat gratification, which mobility serves that purpose. But in the context of business, in the context of corporations, they, they work different, right? And so there has to be an understanding of how do we bridge those gaps? And I think we've seen that consistently how to do that. Okay. How about this one though? Because this is one I have to imagine you, you've encountered. Because and and you can correct me if there's capabilities that maybe I'm I'm missing out on, but <clears throat> if people have rubbish content, which there's no shortage of that in L and D, right? And you put your rubbish content in scrimmage, it's not magically going to be amazing content that's going to drive business performance. Agreed. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Okay. So that's very fair. The other thing I would say is don't overload the product with so much content, especially if it's rubbish content. Right? So if you look at LMSs, again, back to the feedback, they just become giant repositories of which 70% was useful at one point in time, but is now probably not that useful. Right? So part of the goal with any modern learning technology, you know, an LXP, adaptive learning engines, scrimmage, other things, is that you keep the content fresh. You keep, you keep adding and augmenting the content. Right? The idea is that, much like we do with media, continue to push new materials to the user because that will get more engagement and will, it will drive interest. And more importantly, the information will be useful for the job, for the purposes that the company or the individual needs, as opposed to a check the box for compliance purposes or a check the box for we did that, we did that framework initiative and we've, we've now moved past it. Um, business is becoming much more dynamic, much more, it's not that it's becoming such, expectations for dynamic movement and information sharing and progress are becoming higher from the end user. And so it's important that as learning professionals and creators of content that we provide that, that movement as well. And so tools like Scrimmage and others like it provide it to happen. I think that's the last piece I'll mention this is that, you know, you look at um, software integrations of legacy products, I mean, I have one company that told me it took them two plus years to implement uh, a learning management system. We can have our software up and running in, you know, typically our, in six to eight weeks, right? So you're talking about within one quarter, you have an enterprise grade product available versus what might have taken two years uh, or a year previously. I mean, just look at the, 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 the shakeup of cost and productivity that happens in that window. You're, it's massive. You know? and so I think that's important to recognize too. So, you're, so, so, am I putting you on record saying that you can do an enterprise <laughs> LMS stand up in in three months? <laughs> so, so we've we've done it we've done it many times. So you can okay. I, you can say that. In fact, I, go. we have client references that can vouch for that. And and I and I and I mean at the highest levels of the company. So, um, so yes, I will go on record and say it's Big not challenge. my team doesn't like doing them because it's. <laughs> I bet they don't. I was about to say that. Yeah, I bet a lot of stress and a lot of management, but. Um, you know, for the right partners, the people that are truly invested in solving this problem, that have the leadership buy-in, that are ready to make a change, that are ready to work with the partner and ready to invest in the long run. Absolutely, we've seen this work consistently time and time again. And the market acknowledgement from organizations like Chief Learning Officer and ATD and L10 and Brandon Hall and others have reinforced that over and over again. I think we've won almost 38 awards in the last few years, right, for innovation and partnership are two pillars of, of corporate value. Okay. All right. Um, so on the, on the migration piece, right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this because we, we talked a little bit about the <clears throat> rubbish in rubbish out, whatever. 
is is that how do you work with people through that when they're doing a migration? Because honestly, that's probably one of the biggest pain points. I, I I liken it. A good analogy to this is I've moved a lot with my family and we do a similar thing. We're like, you know, what? we really should clean out our storage area and clean out the house before we move. And every time we pack all the stuff up in boxes and then we move it and we swear we're going to do it again. How do you help make sure people don't do that with an LMS? Because it is a big problem. So that's a really interesting and uh, weaving answer question. So, so and back to the previous question. So obviously, uh, the fastest way to move it over is to just do a you know a pickup and, and lift and, and plant uh, in the season. You have the capability to do that. Yes, we do. We can do that. We have done that. Uh, to your exact concerns, though, uh, oftentimes you're 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 bringing a lot of. Um, extra or irrelevant information over it's I like the, I like right? I like I like the way you uh, yeah you did a great line you was like let me not swear live on LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. and so so you know we really do make recommendations or at least attempt to support the client to think through that that purge uh, that could take place now the one thing to mention and we talked about this before is that with our product in particular there's two layers there's the CMS and then there's the mobile application. So okay. the idea is that even if we purge or bring everything over to the CMS, they can still only enable or should only enable a subset of that content set into the product itself or even to the users. You have to keep in mind that because of the mobility, in theory, every single employee could have their own unique experience of the product. Um, it requires a lot of maintenance to do that, but yeah. the architecture is built in such a way that, and it will as we continue to progress with machine learning, get to the point that everyone will have their own personalized experience relative to their needs, their objectives, their goals, their struggles, um, the organizational expectations, their career progression. That's the gold, holy grail and where I believe this market is going. And mobility is, is a huge component of that. Um, but I think that in the short run, you know, just helping clients uh, think through what's most impactful, what's the real value drivers, what's really going to change behaviors and, and retain information. Uh, think through that as you as you develop content and be discriminating on, on uh, you know, how you do that. And that goes back to the last, I mean, like around is that we can see in the product what content, what format of content is or is not being used. And so you can imagine that as people progress and mature, and keep in mind, most of our clients have been with us, you know, I should say most, many of our clients have been with us this entire journey and we bring on more clients. Most of them stay with us throughout the ongoing journey. So as clients evolve and mature with that product, they start to gain insight into why does our field force prefer video versus, you know, hour-long e-learning? I don't know. Seems like a silly question to me, but you know, right. uh, you know, you can kind of imagine you know, as podcasts. Why do you know? You can start to see behaviors around consumption, and so that will inform people to say, okay, is our budget best spent investing in these deliverables or this core curriculum? And you know, we have one client um, actually in your neck of the woods, and, and they're, they, it's public available. They they um they used our gamification component to in real time identify. A, a, a knowledge gap in their onboard or their, their product launch, right? So they trained, they saw that there was a particular subject matter that people were getting incorrect. Immediately, they were able to adapt on the fly and add a, a curriculum uh, on that initiative, and they, they changed their entire performance for the year related to that. If they had gone two quarters and not known that, they would have lost two quarters of sales revenue, right? And so they were able to, in real time, adjust, build tertiary or, or you know, content that was going to help solve that problem, triage it, and still have a successful year as a result of it. That's the power of the data in real time. Now, that's also, I'm assuming that client then, they have to have a pretty agile L&D organization because some L&D organizations would identify it and then spend nine months <laughs> strategizing and then building a curriculum. Yeah. And then by the time they built it, those two quarters are gone. And in fact, a third has passed as well. Well, so I think this, I'm glad you raised that. I think that speaks to the zeitgeist of agility, right? So and back to the expectations of, of the next generation of learners and workers is that we can, it's so easy to create great content now. I mean, look at us. We're having a three-way live stream across the world on LinkedIn Live using our devices. I mean, that, that, that was crazy even a few years ago. So yeah. you can have anyone that can go on their phone and, and create quality content and get it approved. Um, you know, or build a podcast or do whatever that's relevant to that opportunity. And so the more that organizations start to think in the, in the framework of how easy it is to actually start to build content, there's a, there's a huge miss in my perception that people spend a lot of money on building content and they try to save on the technology. The reality is content is so easy to create quality content now at a low cost. They should be investing in the best technologies because that's going to get the best engagement. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a shift. That's yeah. A shift. 
Um, so you taught, and actually that hits on one of the things because the challenge is, right? Yes, it's easy to build high quality content. It's also easy to build really terrible that's also, content. That's also, that's what right? I was going to say. The easiest that's the other side of more, the coin. Yeah. Right. And so that's one of the things that I, I am curious about with scrimmage that you, you hit on a little bit, but I want to dig a little bit deeper is you talked about the ability to see what people are engaging with and things like that. And I think that is one of the problems with some of the legacy softwares was things got put in there. You just kind of forgot about them and you didn't really have the analytics to know, Hey, do you know, nobody has looked at this thing in 12 right. years. Why is it still in? Why is it still in here? Why don't we just delete it? And granted, some people will still be like, well, cause we have to, but it's easier to overcome that when you actually have the data to say, no, nobody's using it. Let's just purge it. So that is, something you can see in the platform so that it is easier to keep content fresh and relevant. And even if people are creating stuff, you can say, Hey, this was made, but nobody cares. Let's just get rid of it. Absolutely. I think okay. that's a huge value out of the product and what okay. this technology. Okay. So one of the other ones, and I, I want to talk about this because this honestly was maybe one of the features I was most impressed with and it had nothing to do with the learning content when I saw it. The meeting management one. Now, everybody who knows me knows that like in-person stuff is not really my jam, but I recognize it's still a big part of things and meetings happen, in-person events happen. And a lot of times that experience is a mess. Mm -hmm. it is a mess. Like you have emails coming and calendar invites and there's all this stuff you're supposed to have and you don't know where it is. Agendas are all over the place. And I was actually really impressed with scrimmage's capability. So I do want to talk a little bit about that yeah. because to me that's that shouldn't be overlooked, especially for organizations who may host and you, the target market you talked about, at least one of the target markets is right field sales. They have big quarterly meetings or annual meetings, and there's a lot of stuff that you're bringing together. Can you talk a little bit about that capability? Sure. So um, thank you for, for the compliment and also raising that question, Christopher. So I agree. And let me, let me share a little bit. There's two, there's two factors in response to that that are important. One is, yes, you want to create an experience that's contained for how information is communicated to do it in a way that people will consume it, retain it, and you can reinforce it effectively. I think that's the most important piece is that even though we're advocating for mobility, we're not diminishing the value of in-classroom learning. There isn't a, or even virtual classroom-based learning. There's a role for instructor-led instructor teaching, right? And so the opportunity is that if you can create something that they have really high you know, level of immersion and experience in that classroom, that they're remembering the information, and then you can pulse out materials to the same place over and over and over again throughout the year, you're gonna get more adoption. So I'll give you an example. In an ideal situation, a client of ours uses the scrimmage product the day that they hire someone. They get an iPad or a new phone in the mail, they download their branded company application that's a scrimmage product, and they log in and they get a welcome video from the CEO. They see their onboarding checklist. They see their pre-work, and all that material is being distributed right to their phone or their tablet from day one, first impression, right? Then they go in, they do that home study curriculum, they come in, and they do that classroom experience. They go to that national sales meeting, and we have a very nice meeting app that enables them to have personalized agendas that you can do the, the interactivity that you expect to see in an event or at a meeting, you know, things like audio response polls and games and quizzes and, you know, content, things like that. But the real value is that once you've been able to see people's experience of that content throughout that process, you can then distribute and pulse ongoing content for retention, right? So we always hear about the forgetting curve that happens after you leave those events. You're now bringing them back to the same place, right? So whereas you think back to five years ago or 10 years ago, especially where you may have gone to an event and you got a binder and then you went home and that binder sat in your shelf, or maybe it got left in the hotel room, for example, you're now bringing them back to you their You didn't phone. even bring it out of the classroom, exactly. chances are. You might have just it the They have it in their hands. They have that binder in their hands every day. They can go back and review it in their in their car or at their lunch break or you know in a one-on-one -on -one with their manager. Right? And you're going to continue to pulse content out through the same experience, the same product over and over again. So that's where it goes back to where, in my opinion, I personally am the anti-LMS because not that it's about – I love learning – but managing learning, in my opinion, is a misnomer. If you're activating a learner, if you're providing true engagement opportunities, if you're providing something that's just in time where people can voluntarily access it to do their job more effectively or more efficiently, you're really having an impact just on learning. Learning is a business. Return on learning is one of the concepts that we've been talking about at Scrimmage. And, and I think that that's an important distinction. Um, and I think that if you look at the most innovative, successful companies right now, 
for the exact reason we're having this podcast, they are invested investing substantially in employee experience, employee development, culture growth for this exact reason. Right? It's the it's the secret sauce of, of, of companies now is how well they are preparing their people and how well prepared by choice those people are. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, and I think what you talked about with with the the meeting piece is I personally I see a lot of learning management platforms, what what LEP, LXP, yeah. blah, blah. But they fall short in that, right? From a from a classroom capability, the extent of what it can do is it can register somebody and maybe send them an invite. Some of them just send like an ICS file or or send them a note that says, don't forget, you've got this thing, and then they forget. So I think that was one of the things that I, I saw in the platform that helped bring those two together um, a little bit more than than I've seen you know, elsewhere. So I at least wanted to, to talk about that a little bit because I think it does require people to think sure. a little bit differently about it. Now, that said, and I, I am curious on this, the example you gave right, of, of that amazing blended experience, Scrimmage the, is the enabler of that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily build it in and of itself. Now, if you know, when you work with clients, are you able to bring some of those best practices from other folks that you've worked with on, hey, like this is how to do this well in scrimmage, and this is some examples of things? Because not everybody has this great onboarding where they know, hey, here's a video from the CEO, and then all this stuff. That's all content and pieces that you have to bring together that an organization may not have. We, we make it a point to console and consult um, our clients through how to make a more engaging uh, continuous experience for learning using our product. Um, there's also, it's very easy. Very, oh, we're cutting uh, out. He's cutting out. I'm, I have a feeling he's saying it's very easy, but we'll see if he comes back. There he is. It's very easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we lost you. Can, can you hear us okay? The magic of LinkedIn Live. The magic of LinkedIn Live. He's yeah. here. That, now you're, you're back. back. You're back again. Okay. And, and Siri heard me talk. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I, I think, are you, can you hear us, Derek? I see you blinking, but you're, you keep flashing in and out. I think the internet connection is just cutting out a little bit. I think so. Not on our end. I mean, our conversation's going just fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll I say can, in. You fine. can you guys hear me now? I yeah, can hear you fine can. now, yeah. But your, okay. your, video, your video is frozen, but just keep talking. But you're smiling. It's a good freeze, so you're good. All right, awesome. Uh, and now you're gone. Hey, and now you're back. Go. There we go. I don't know what's going on. It's been fine the whole no, time. You're uh, good now. It's, it's all right. We're back now. It's, it's, so it's, it's what happens in your life. We help the clients through the process, Christopher, and it's easy to okay. maintain. It's a simple answer. And I'm happy to talk through the specifics with any client or interested prospect on the topic. Okay. Well, we've talked we've talked about it for for 43 minutes now. I think we've we've covered it, and you know, this was one of the lessons from one of the earlier shows. Is I've been looking at learning tech since. I don't know how long. And so for me, it's very easy to visualize as we talk through these things. Okay, yeah, I get the interface. I understand how this all works. Not everybody has that background. And so we do want to kind of give you a chance to show a little bit about it so people can start to visualize some of these things we talked about. So if, sure. if you've got it up and and I, it was, I, I love the dialogue we had before we came on. We're like, should we do it on the computer? For this mobile learning experience, so I'm glad we're actually able to do it. <laughs> that would have been so an iPhone because that would have been the greatest yeah. irony to be like transforming yeah. the mobile experience on Google Chrome on a PC. Totally agree. That would have been bad times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want to pull it up, and then you know, let's hit on just a couple of the big things that that you think are a differentiator, and, and I'm sure Chris and I will have sure. questions along the way. Sure. So you're seeing my my iPhone here. Yes. Um, and the first thing I'm going to mention is you're seeing our scrimmage demo and some of our branding in this application. And you can see it's called Scrimmage Playbook. Uh, with our clients, they, they brand it and call it whatever they like. So we've got clients that call it Beacon and iLearn and GLearn and Access. And you can imagine all sorts of sure. names that come up there. And their icon is branded as well on the App Store and how it's distributed. And when they log in, all these little icons that you're seeing as illustrations, so learning solutions, meeting, marketing, as examples of the things we talked about, we just use those to show the, the application. But those could be 
whatever creative elements and whatever categories that a client wants to see. And most importantly, it's user and enrollment based. So we mentioned that all three of us could log into our, our branded application and we might have a completely different experience of the content that is in this app relative to the fact that Chris is in, in London, Christopher, you're in the Midwest and I'm on the East Coast. We might all have completely different content, different layout, different structure and different learning paths relative to that, to that structure. Right. And that so can two, definitely, yeah. two questions as a follow up on this, right? Sure. Before we before we go further. First of all, one on the customization piece. I think it's it's a double edged sword, right? When there's customizations, you can lose tons of time and people go, Oh, I want it blue. No, I want it green. Can we have the button on this? What level of customization is are you capable of? And what level of customization do you typically see people do with it? So thank you for clarifying that. We refer to most of the work that we do as, as configurations. Right. So yeah. we've back in the back end, we've built a lot of possibilities in terms of view types, creative flexibility, uh, the type of content you can just deliver, the parameters by which things appear or disappear or lock or unlock or, or prerequisited or things like that. Okay. And so those are just settings. And those are settings that, that we can control and that we can train our clients on how to do themselves. Um, and so um, I would say those are configurations and, and we have a lot of configurations. What I would consider a customization is more like we talked about before, uh, integrating into other software products, pulling in data that's that's unique and proprietary to a client, um, building custom features that they may want to see, um, you know, or that are part of our, our longer term roadmap. Those are things that we consider custom versus configurations. Okay, good distinction, and that's helpful to understand, right? What's capable. You yeah. know, and, and again, I'm just curious, do, do you find people change a lot other than, I mean, the branding, obviously they don't want it to say scrimmage and you talked about that, but do you see a lot of configuration customizations or do most Absolutely. people find that overall? No, it's it, that's one of the beauties, right? The simplicity and ease of how you can configure it is a key part of it, right? So for example, if, if a client, we have a client that does this, they, they're using the product on six continents, right? Six, and they've got a lot of countries in those continents, each has their own content for their for their country they've got it in their unique languages they've got business rules and workflows around that in the back end right they've got different organizational needs in terms of the number of people all that is built in right to the to the how it's administrated and, and distributed so let me just log in for example the meeting solutions and you'll see what i'm talking about here so right off the bat because you mentioned the meeting you see a different icon different branding so even on a folder level you can make okay. these changes on a user level. You can make these changes. If you've got and, an annual meeting coming up, the annual meeting, because they, they do, they all have their own branding. They've got their own dates, all that other stuff. You can customize that for that folder. Configure, but yes, exactly. Right. Sorry. No, it's a great, I think it's important to mention because it's literally something that you, that you could do. You could go in the back end and make that adjustment yourself. You know, and like that's, that's an important factor to consider. So the other question I had, and then and I promise I'll let you kind of keep going, but it, it popped into mind as you were talking about this is, so you talked about the fact that, you know, when Chris logs in, when I log in, when you log in, it could have a different experience. That's based on some sort of metadata coming from somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, correct. It's based on either a roster or an active directory feed or some set of business rules or the client administrative and actually manually assigning uh, content to the user. Okay. So just to and and to put to just to kind of talk about this one a little bit because I've seen this blow up more times than once where you're like, "Yeah, let's just turn the feed on and it's going to and they don't realize like our metadata is terrible. We haven't updated it in a long time. And so, you know, is that something that you find? I mean, how do, how do clients work through that? Cause inevitably, right. If you're pulling from active directory, yep. that could be a landmine just waiting to detonate. So I'm glad you raised that back to your earlier question about areas that sometimes can frustrate clients, particularly yeah. if they're not technologically prepared or savvy, that would be one that oftentimes, you know, they, they have a deadline to hit. Um, the beta is coming from somewhere else or being even filtered through other systems. We yeah. make a real priority to help cleanse that data and to help structure it, to advise. Yeah. We do everything we can to make it as seamless as possible. But there is some level of reciprocity that does take place and has to take place in order to maintain the quality of that data. And that's something that when we do active directory integrations, we, we there is some maintenance components to that. Um, as you probably know, companies change those rules all the time. and. Right. If we're not aware of those in advance, just like when we push new enhancements, if we don't let people know that we've tested it and retrofitted and done all the work um, and, and let them know that it's coming, it's surprising, right? And so we, we, that really goes back to partnership and communication. 
Okay. Can I see what Got the uh, meeting agenda looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So if I go into this meeting agenda, uh, in this example, you're seeing an agenda that's day by day, session by session. And keep in mind, this is also unique to the user, right? So all three of us might have a completely different agenda relative to the experience of the content we have for that day. In addition, if there's changes, right? So materials are being approved or changes to the sessions are taking place or speaker changes are taking place or a session ran long or a speaker didn't show, you can make those changes in real time and it'll be pushed to the, to the device in, in essentially seconds. Um, and so they, those changes are reflected um, in the product. That's yeah, see, cool. and this is, I mean, this is right now you get a chance to see it, but this is one of the, I think, things that I saw and went, this is something that is distinct that I, I don't see a lot is this ability to see some of these things dynamically. You can drill into it and see what's going on in these big events that, you know, or a conference where you, you might be showing up, you don't really know what all you need when you're there. So you can, can you download the materials from that tab as well, I'm assuming? Exactly right. In fact, I just clicked on that icon. You can see here, there's a meeting on the fields button. So I can go in here. I can now access my participant guide, my meeting survey, a video, a resource that's relative or relevant for it. Right? All that is done as part of it. So that's that's a key part of that offering. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen this actually functionality before, like you said, Christopher. I've, well, that's when I saw it, I'm like, this is a distinct feature that, again, it's I don't see all the time. So that's why I wanted to make sure we hit on and, it. And one thing I would say, Derek, just some feedback for you and the team. When I looked at this this feature on the website, I didn't realize it was to this extent. Okay. I think, I think you guys can do a better job on the website of, of sharing how powerful <laughs> this is. Great. Thank because, you for that feedback, Chris. Because this is a lot more. Because I read it. I read, obviously, the page and what, what it was. But, I was, but this is... You know, a lot more impressive. Well, because when most people think <laughs> of a learning system managing of meetings and events, they think of what most learning systems exactly. And by the way, that's exactly what I thought. Calendar invite, right? right. You're yeah, like, yeah, okay, exactly I register I and it sends out an invite. This yeah. is a completely different dynamic experience. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's and then cool. keep in mind the other piece that's relative to both the meetings as well as the ongoing is we can link that to push notifications, right? So if there are changes, if there is new content made available, if there's a new course or or an action item that needs to be completed. We can we can sync up push notifications and link that to email reminders as well and automate some of those workflows too, right? So you're making that job easier both for the client administrator and more intuitive for the end user. Well, this is directly relevant for me, right? Because we do events every single month. I know. I and, saw your eyes light up. And, and, and I, I know, saw your eyes light up. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, what is this? We, within our LMS, <laughs> we manually go in after and add this, and and no one engages with it because it's like after the fact. So like the, they, when we have to then push people to try and get, you know, go in and look at these materials who just aren't updated right. after the event or what's happening. And by then it's almost too late because yeah. this is kind of just disengage with it. And it's some of the most valuable content we put in after the workshop for people to then follow up with never ends up getting consumed. Exactly. Um, right. because, because of the experience that we've given them. And it's our fault. We understand that. But that's just the platform that we use. That's just the way it, the way it works. Well, I'd love to talk with you about that, Chris, and how we might help. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we, because we, when Christopher said, you know, the, they probably left at, left at the event, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. uh, the packs, right? And we have yeah. the packs that Shane spends hours and hours creating for each of our members. Yeah. And then we then kind of, after the fact, then put that into our platform. It's kind of doing two two jobs at the same time, really. Yeah, uh, yeah awesome. so I love that. And, I, and again, I'm objective in this, but I've seen so many things that when I look at stuff and I'm like, that's different, right? It's worth calling out because mm -hmm. I, I do think, you know, to Chris's point, I don't know that when most people think of meeting management through a learning tool, they, they're they not thinking this kind of capability because it's, right. it's not. This is not what I thought, yeah, at all no. yeah. when I read that, when I read that, yeah. Yeah, and especially the integration, right? It's big, again, bringing them back to the same place. It's another icon and then they go back to that same tool for their reinforcement learning or for their phase two training or for the product training, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing to mention here is that um, the product supports pretty much every type of file format, um, you know, video, audio, documents, uh, interactive documents, websites, web links. Um, we talked about the API integration, so you can launch all those dynamically. So even like these billboards and banners at the top, um, I mean, for example, if I click this icon, it's now going to launch me into our scrimmage podcast page. Right. And you can see you know, we just launched this podcast a few weeks ago. You can go in, you can subscribe on on Apple, on Stitcher. Right. And you can see some of the guests that we've had on the first few weeks. Right. And so like and I can go right back to the product and I can see, you know, back to my agenda, back to the course, back to materials. Um, so it's dynamic in that regard, too. So you really Def are definitely pitching to me now, Derek. Cool. Navigation. And so this is the kind of stuff that, you know, for example, on an iPad, 
these icons are at the bottom of the screen, right? And then in the phone, it's a it's a drop down, right? So, but like for the most part, it's very much exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in terms of, so some of the other features, just so we can kind of see what they look like, right? You talk on the website about the ones that jump to mind are, well, actually, before we go to this, I am curious on the content standpoint. So yeah. you can host, it's a content management system, but to be clear, it's that end content. Cause I do see sometimes people get confused. They're like, oh, so we put all our source files here and it's, yeah. there's a difference between a CMS, like an LCMS and kind of that end user content, correct? And you're, you're yeah. on the end side. So yes. we're, on, we're actually on, we kind of straddle both. Interestingly really? Enough. Again, okay. Yes. So that's what I mentioned before. There's two layers, right? So, so literally this is the playbook layer, right? And then this is the CMS layer, right? So there's a lot of content that exists in between there, right? And so we might have 10,000 pieces of content that exist below the surface. And then maybe there's 50 that exist in the app itself, right? And so you can actually upload all that source content. You can actually integrate with the workflow software. And we can pull it in from different places on the back end and control versions and ID codes and that kind of stuff. And then you can set it so that those content pieces become available and visible in the app experience itself. Okay. So in theory, if you wanted to manage some of your source content, you could on the on the CMS portion of it. Correct. Do you have data limits? <laughs> you can support terab- it's all cloud hosted, so it's terabytes of, of storage. Okay. Okay. We lost the sharing. I don't know if that was intentional oh, or not. Uh, I, I was, no, it's just fine. It's still there. I was just doing it whilst uh, whilst you guys were talking as well. I can bring it back in. Yeah, bring it back up. Bring it back up, Chris. Okay. So so in ter- so there was that, right? So that was one question I had. We had the social collaboration. So I'm curious yeah. on that piece. When, when people say it's social collaboration, right, what people do with that and what that means, I'm curious what that looks like. Sure. So I've just pulled it up. We refer to it in this, in this demo as Audible. Uh, but basically, the idea is that a client can create different channels or different topics or different themes that they would allow for peer-to-peer exchange of, of learning, best practices, content, and so forth, right? So, for example, if I go into this folder, you know, national meeting, I now have a chat feature where I can communicate with my peers. I can, you can see at the top, I can, I can write it, I can write in it, and I can actually upload content, right? So I want to upload a, a video file or a picture, or an audio clip, or I want to link to content, I can do all of that in here. Um, and there's actually built-in moderation to the product as well. So you can imagine in highly regulated industries, um, they can approve or decline content before it becomes publicly available, right? And so um, that's an example, but you could imagine you know, lots of different ways that you know, I could say, hey, you know, Chris and Christopher, I just watched this really cool podcast, Here's the link. Go check it out and subscribe. And, and it's in this channel. And there maybe there's a channel called, you know, podcast community, right? And then, then they can go in there and they can talk about all the coolest podcasts that are listening to. That would be an example of how this could be used. Now, in terms of how people are using it, I am curious on this because bigger organizations, at least a lot of them, have right Yammer. We've got you know these other these other platforms that are at the enterprise class maybe level. Are you seeing clients? necessarily replacing that or is it more hey they're connecting to the example you use like we have a sales meeting our agendas are here all the related contents here let's have the discussion there so it's, it's a little bit more encapsulated than oh let's use this as our general social platform for everyone so i'd say it's a little bit of both in the sense that you yes the, the more common use case is, is the latter one you described they're using yeah. it for a particular event for a particular initiative for a particular class the benefit, though, is that because, again, back to links and integrations, if you want to launch a YAM or, or something similar, you could actually could launch them out. in here. Yeah. And they would and they would just go, they would, they would click on the link and they would experience it in the app itself. They would never feel like they're leaving this instance. OK, got it. OK, so, so one of the other ones, and, and we've only got a few minutes left, um, but you, you talked about gamification, which I think gets one of those words mixed thrown around. Right. It's another one of those words that gets thrown all over the place. And are you talking game design? Are you talking game of like what what does that actually mean and look like in here? So it's both. I'll show you two components of it. So one is we can actually gamify the experience in the product itself. So you see this leaderboard on both individual and team level. Um, we can create incentives, points, badges, awards and recognition, tiers of access. Um, relative to how people are are using the application, either they're 
getting the best scores. They're being the most highly active. They're meeting certain engagement so metrics. You can change the criteria on that. You can change what's actually activating points and awarding things. 100% dynamically. And you can even incorporate XAPI and, and other assets outside the application okay. to influence that leaderboard as well. So you can have other feeds feeding into it to actually award stuff. Exactly right. So that's that's the on the overarching, kind of the macro level of gamification, you, you can incent and, and reward and give visibility to how people's participation and progress and excellence is leading to them, you know, winning or you know, either in, in reputation or actual prizes. Right, that's that's one example. The other that we have built in is we actually have um, a built-in authoring game engine, which we call Q. And so, in this instance, we actually have a couple of games um, that clients can actually load their content in, um, and and the users, the end users, can compete against their peers or each other um, to be to demonstrate you know, knowledge mastery or topic improvement or whatever it is, right? So- And is this like the role memorization time? I mean, we don't have to get into each one of the game, but kind of the competitive, kind yeah. of going head to head with stuff. Head to head or against yourself or against the computer or, you know, against the peer group or whatever. Okay. There's different ways that you can set the rules um, for how that competition and game mechanics play out. Okay. So with that, um, and, and we can kind of wrap here, but from a content development standpoint, what, what I'm seeing so far, th this is where you're treading into the content development a little bit. You can create learning games in the tool, yes? Yes, uh, what I would say is that it's it's more about the distribution though, because again, you know, okay. the way it works, so flip it, let's just use your example. Say you had a hundred questions, yeah. you would just upload an Excel sheet, for example, into our game uh, backend, and then those questions would become available through the game. It's not like, you're, you know, building, we're not authoring content per se in the traditional sense. We're not authoring. No, right, right, right. All that, you know, so. and, and that's an important distinction. It's content development. And hey, if you're trying to create kind of this engaging game activity, you can do that. You're not authoring e-learning or, or content in the tool itself. Correct. But we do support both of those. And okay. as well, you can actually you know, consume score and XAPI content through the application. Okay, perfect. Any other, any other with like the last third, any other key things you want to hit on quickly yeah, I mean, and then we can wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, just the last thing again, back to creating certain elements. So if you wanted to go in here and actually build a quiz, um, you know, there's a built-in element around different formats. So multi-question, multi-answer, um, you know, different formats for questions. You can create criteria around timing that question. Um, there's imagery questions, essay questions. You know, so just different ways that you can build in back to the adaptive component and actually using this as a way to um, measure important, you know, performance and improvement over time and provide and on the quiz piece two two things. One, that's separate from the game engine. Correct. 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 Two, can you get into question level detail? Can you see uh, question level detail? Absolutely. We can see, um, you know, number of attempts. We can see, you know, curves. We can see, you know, incorrect answers. We can see percentages of incorrect answers, incorrect answers. So there's a lot of data that we're capturing through, the, okay. through our LRS. Um, and being able to then serve as, a, as an output for reporting and analytics. Okay. And I think that's the other piece. Is that, so there's a lot of analytics and reporting that you can get out of this. And I think the last piece is that you know, we've done a 10-minute demo you know, on this. I mean, I could spend an hour showing you feature by feature, yeah. configuration by configuration. I think that's important the client see is that... And that's what we didn't want to do on this show was just at least give a teaser yeah. of it, but yeah. But, but I want to mention it because it's. Yep. I'm showing you just a very simple UI UX. It's it's meant that way intentionally. Like you could, fit, you know, my two year old can can use my app, right? Literally. Yeah. But there's so much power that exists in the product itself that you can configure and administrate um, for your users and make a powerful experience for how people learn. Awesome, nice. awesome. Well, thanks, thanks, Derek, for for being here with us. Um, I think this was it was great to one talk about this and hear what you're doing and then actually get a chance to see it. So anything else, Chris, on your end, any other burning questions for you? No, I'm just like, Derek, when are you free for a call so I can see more about that? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Uh, we're, you know, we're on, we're on Tuesdays now. So we're back here next Tuesday. Next yep. Tuesday, we're here talking about LXPs with Degreed. So for those of you watching, you can join us next week. We'll be talking to the Degreed team about, about that. But uh, Derek, this, this was great. Really enjoyed the time. Um, and, and thanks for, thanks for making it, especially three weeks after the baby. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, appreciate appreciate you hosting and the conversation it was a lot of fun speaking with you and look forward to seeing you on our learn to win podcast. Uh, yeah. That's what I was going to throw in there before we do. Oh, yeah. where, where can people check out? If they want to get in contact with you, learn more about you guys, where's the best place to yeah, go? So we're, we're all over social media at we scrimmage is our handle. 
Um, and then on the podcast, it's Learn to Win uh, on you know iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those different channels. And then our website is wescrimmage.com. And I'm personally on all those different social channels as well, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, um, and we'll continue to, to do that. So I look forward to connecting with your audience and you guys and just really appreciative of the opportunity and the discussion. Fantastic. Well, for everyone listening, we'll link it. To, uh, if you're not already subscribed, we'll put the link in the comment section for you. And, and shortly, we'll update the uh, the podcast on there. We'll have the links to everything we've discussed. We'll all be in the links in the, in the show notes. Yep. And then in the next on. day or two, I'll distribute the recording through all the the usual digital channels. So yeah. amazing. Cool. Oh, one last thing. We're actually because we just launched the podcast. It's actually we're gamifying it, so people can win uh-huh. uh, an iPhone 11 for being the most <laughs> active sharer of the content. Um, really? What if yeah. it's me? What if it's me and Christopher? I can email it to 140,000 people. It's a bit of a. You want to have fun? Definitely do that. All right, guys. I'll see you all uh, next week, guys, and have a good evening. See you later, guys. Thanks, everybody. Take care.